feet in. So you get into this uh, particular book here, and what you find out is, is that Jesus is speaking, and who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to a crowd of people. He's not only talking to a crowd of people, he's talking to the Pharisees. Now, who are these Pharisees? Well, they're the religious leaders of the day. And the scribes and the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. And, and then also his disciples are present. So they're also listening to what Jesus is talking about. And so Jesus, in these passages, begins to tell them some things that are important and some things that are not so important. And so whenever he uses the term in verse 23, he talks about weightier matters. He's talking about things that are important and things that are not so important. And sometimes we place emphasis on things that need not any emphasis. And this is what the Pharisees would do. And they would place burdens upon the people. And they would place burdens upon them that were heavy. And they themselves were not fulfilling those same burdens. <laughs> and so if you went and you read all of chapter 23, you'd begin to see where Jesus begins to talk to these folks. And there's something about this chapter that's really interesting is this. There are eight woes in this chapter, and there are seven references to hypocrites. The woes are this. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. That word woe is sorrowful to the heart. That woe is, is you really don't grasp what I'm about to tell you. And then he calls them hypocrites. Now, what is a hypocrite? Well, how many of you know what an actor or an actress is, right? You've seen Hollywood films. You know what actors and actresses are. And the word hypocrite is just that. The word hypocrite is that they're actors and actresses. So I want you to get a hold of this this morning. Stay tuned in. Don't tune out. And stay tuned in. Here's what happens. These hypocrites were actors and actresses. So what happens is, is Jesus saying, Woe unto you, sorrowful of heart. You don't really understand. You don't really grasp what you're doing because you're a bunch of actors and actresses. And I want to tell you something. God's not looking for actors and actresses. He's looking for people with a sincere heart toward God. He's also looking at this, and that is, is that you have a relationship with Christ. There are so many people, now listen to me, involved in religion in our society today. They're religious. They go through these rituals. They go to places where they perform these rituals and they just go through these rituals. And Jesus Christ is telling them, it's not about counting how much cumin or anise you have. It's not about making sure all that's in order. He said, let me tell you what should be in order. Judgment, mercy, and faith. <laughs> You're missing out on judgment, mercy, and faith. You're not telling the people the most important things that they need to know. You're busy telling them to sit there and count how much cumin they're given. You see, what he wanted them to understand is that this is not just about fulfilling religious rituals. This is about a relationship. And so the challenge to us this morning is to think about this for just a moment. Do I have the right kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, there are religions that teach you to go through rituals and to say prayers repetitiously and to do those kinds of things. But the Bible says that we are not to have vain, repetitious prayers. In fact, it's in Matthew chapter 6. And in that chapter, it's that same chapter that teaches us that we are to pray uh, to the Heavenly Father, and he gives them a model prayer. And he says, you need to learn how to pray. 
And what he wants is not just a repetitious thing. He wants a spirit of the heart. He wants a relationship. I was sharing with the Sunday school class this morning. <laughs> and in my Sunday school class, I was telling them about the relationship with my wife. And I remember that relationship when it got started. I was in Virginia and she was in Pennsylvania. And man, when she would write a letter, mm, you know what I'm saying? I couldn't wait to get to the mailbox. Man, I could not wait to get that letter. And let me tell you something. I still have those letters. Every once in a while, I open them up, especially when she's mad at me. <laughs> and just read how much she loves me. <laughs> this is God's love letter to us. <laughs> you know, I would do anything to know everything about her. I wanted to know her shoe size, the color of earrings. The stones, the gems, her shoe size, her dress size. Man, I wanted to know everything I could about her. You know why? Because I wanted to have a strong relationship with her. I want to know everything about her. You know, God wants to have a strong relationship with you. And you know, what I want to know is more about him. Hey, if he loved me so much, and this is what we're celebrating today, are we not? That he died for you. And we're celebrating the fact that he didn't stay in the tomb, that he rose again the third day. And that he loved us so much that he died for us. And he sent us a letter. And all he says to us is this, would you read my letter and learn of me so we can have a better relationship? This book is not about religion. This book is about a relationship. Jesus Christ was telling the Pharisees, it's not about counting the cumin. It's about understanding judgment, mercy, faith. And that is the message that I want these people to know. Now, I want to tell you something this morning. There is a judgment coming. And that judgment is a judgment seat of Christ. That judgment seat of Christ is an important judgment. And this is why. The judgment seat of Christ is this, folks. All of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior will be at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, God speaks of two judgments in the Scriptures. And depending on the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ will determine what judgment you're at before God. Now, I'm going to show you from the scriptures how you can know for sure. Now, to be saved is to trust in Jesus Christ alone. Listen, you cannot trust in your baptism. Amen? You cannot trust in church attendance. You cannot trust in the fact that your name's on a church roll. You cannot trust in the fact that your daddy was a deacon or even that your daddy is a preacher. You have to trust Jesus Christ and him alone to take your soul to heaven when you die. You say, well, what are we celebrating today? We're celebrating the fact that he rose from the dead. Amen? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou 
shalt be saved. <laughs> saved is eternal life, everlasting life. That's salvation. That's what God's talking about. And he says there's a judgment coming. And so there is a judgment that's coming for the saved. I want you to know the Bible very clearly teaches us that you cannot work your way to heaven. If you are saved, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you don't get baptized before you get saved. You get saved and then you get baptized. And here's what I want to share with you. What's this tell you about me? I'm married, right? So let me take this thing off, okay? Am I unmarried? No, you're still married. Do you know what married me? Come here, honey. I have to show her off. I was just telling you how I loved her letters, right? One day, she and I stood in a church similar to this. And while we were standing in that church, I didn't have a ring on my finger. But I looked at her. (laughs) And I said, I do before God and all those people. I didn't have a ring on my finger when I Stay right there, babe. I didn't have a ring on my finger when I said I do. Do you know who married me? God did. God married me, didn't he? You know what this ring does? It tells the rest of you ladies out there, you cannot have him. He belongs to her, right? This is just an outward show of a decision that was made inwardly and before God, wasn't it? Salvation is of the Lord. It's a relationship you establish with him. When you get baptized, it's like putting this ring on your finger. When you put this ring on your finger, I just say, I said I do to her. I said I don't to the rest of the women in the world. And this ring just symbolizes the fact that I'm in a relationship. When you get baptized, you get baptized before a people, and what that symbolizes is I've established a relationship with somebody. His name is Jesus Christ. He has now become the Lord of my life. If thou shalt confess, agree with God. That's what confession means. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, now listen to me, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised be saved. The day I said I do to her, I said I don't to the rest of the women in the world, and then she placed this ring up on my finger. How many of you are with me this morning? Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It's a relationship that was established. It's a relationship that is established. Baptism It's just telling everybody the relationship's been established. Are you with me? You may have a seat. Now, these judgments that are coming. Let me give this to you. We have two judgments that are in the scriptures. This first judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. (coughs) Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. The Bible says, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? 
For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of whom? Christ. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now here's the thing. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according to that which he had done, whether it be good or bad. And you say, well, there it is, preacher. Your good and your bad is going to be weighed out. I want to tell you something. There's another passage of Scripture in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 5, it starts. <laughs> and it tells us this. I do not do my works so that I might get saved, I do my works because I am saved. Amen? I've established a relationship, right, with the Lord. Now, I want to tell you something. I might go help somebody mow their lawn, but I mow my wife and I's lawn. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and here's the thing. The reason I do is I got a relationship with her, and she likes to go out in the yard and doesn't want hay. Amen? She wants a lawn. Now, here's the thing. What it is is that you're establishing a relationship with God, and so therefore you do those things because you have a relationship with him. Are you with me? The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God says this in the scriptures. Your works don't save you. Faith saves you. Your faith in Jesus Christ is what saves you. If we could say, well, our works are what we're going to be weighed on, then I could go to heaven and say, God, guess what I did today? <laughs> yeah, I preached for you. <laughs> yeah, God, did you see that? Huh? Did good, didn't I? And I could start bragging on my what? On my works. God, come on now. <laughs> let's come on, let's break out the scales, Lord. Let's just weigh this thing out, all right? Hey, me, the Bible over here. Yep. Mm -hmm. You saw what they were doing out there in the world today. Some people didn't even show up for Easter, Lord. I did. I was in the house of God this morning, Lord. And not only, Lord, was I in the house of God, I preached your word, and God, I know right now those that are over at Wendy's right now, instead of being at church, come on, Lord. Mine outweighs theirs. The Bible says, uh-uh. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now here's what I'm trying to challenge you with this morning. Are you going to be at this Bema seat of Christ, this judgment seat of Christ? You see, to be at this judgment, you must be saved. <laughs> you must know Jesus Christ is your Savior. How do you do that, preacher? If I confess with my mouth, if I agree with God, if I confess with my mouth and believe in mine heart. In other words, it's an internal thing. It's something no one else can see. And believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be what, folks? Saved. Saved. Salvation, eternal life, it's in Christ Jesus. Well, here's what Jesus said. He said, hey, listen, you, you guys are, you got it all wrong. You're over there counting the cumin. You're putting weight on these people. And, and listen, it's about me. It's not about what they're doing. It's about their faith and trust in me. And so what does he tell them in Romans? He said, hey, 
Listen, stop judging your brother. You know what's easy to do in this world? Be a critic. <laughs> Isn't it easy to be a critic? It's easy to be a critic towards someone. It's easy to judge other people. But you know what's hard? When we have to hold up the mirror of truth and look into it and see ourselves. Sometimes we don't want to do that. You know why? Because it really reveals to us who we really are sometimes, doesn't it? You know, when I have the right relationship with him and I open up his love letter, he begins to tell me things that are good, but things that are wrong, things that need to be corrected, things that need to be fixed. And the only way I'm going to do that is to know what he said to me. The judgment seat of Christ is where those things which I did in my salvation, being saved, knowing heaven is my home, when I go there, they are either going to be wood, hay, and stubble, and if you light that up, what happens to it? It burns up. Or it'll be precious gold, silver, and stone. And by the way, they will be by fire. Salvation's not in jeopardy. But did I do things so that others might see me and promote me and glorify me and make me the center of attention? Or the things that I did while I was saved, did I do those things that God might be glorified, that God might be seen, that Christ might be lifted up. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. So this first judgment is for those that know Jesus Christ. They know who he is, and they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is not religion. This is a relationship. And then I want to challenge you with this. He then tells us the great white throne judgment. Would you turn in your Bibles? To Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. In Revelation chapter 20 in verse 11. And he says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This, you ought to underline this in your Bible, is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's a second judgment. So Jesus was trying to tell them, you need to warn them, there's judgment coming. Now judgment for the saved is, is those things which I do in my salvation. Do I do that that I just might be seen just of men? Or do I do it to be seen of men that it might glorify my Father which is in heaven? The second judgment is called the great white throne judgment. And by the way, if you're saved, you won't stand at the great white throne judgment. <laughs> if you are saved, you will be at the Bema seat, you'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. If you are unsaved, your name is not written in the book of life. And so therefore, if you're not in the book of life, you will stand at the great white throne judgment. Now listen very carefully. The Bible teaches us in John that we must be born again. 
Nicodemus really was struggling with that. He said, what, am I going to go back up into my mother's womb and be born again? And he said, no, you must be born of water and of the spirit. What happens to a woman when they're getting ready to have a child? Their water breaks, doesn't it? You must be born of the water and of the what? Spirit. Spirit. That water has nothing to do with baptism. That has everything to do with the birth of a child, doesn't it? And he tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, here's what I'm sharing with you. If you are born twice, you're only going to physically die once. <laughs> because heaven is your home, amen? amen? The Bible just spoke in Revelation of a second death. It's a terrible thought. But if you're only physically born and never saved, you're going to die twice. You're going to physically die, and the body's going to go into the ground, but then you will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. That's a hard thing to swallow. You say, why would you say that to people on, on Resurrection Sunday? <laughs> because you either have the right relationship with God, or you have the wrong relationship with God. To have a right relationship with God you must have Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, Jesus told the Pharisees, tell them about judgment, but then tell them about mercy. <laughs> mercy is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Man, I used to love it when my dad would have mercy on me. <laughs> my dad used to spank me when I was a child. That's unheard of today, <laughs> right? You don't spank children. Sometimes, somehow or another, it really messes you up. It said, preacher, we know it messed you up. You're up there preaching about all this stuff. <laughs> but my dad used to spank me when I was a child. And, and, and when he would spank me, and he would tell me sometimes, now I'm going to give you X number of spanks. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. And really, it was my daddy that had to have mercy. Amen? I was at the high school one day in, in junior high, and and while I was in junior high, I decided one day that we didn't have open lunches, but I decided I was going to have an open lunch. <laughs> and me and a friend, Keith Harrison, we left school and went over to the donut shop. While I'm at the donut shop, I'm standing there thinking, I'm going to get me some donuts and we'll sneak back into the school. Plug your ears, Liam. <laughs> and I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, someone tapped me on my shoulder. And I turned around. And it's the school secretary. I could feel the blood starting to drain from my face to my feet. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> and I got over to the school. And so Mr. Steinmiller was the principal. And he came out and he said, Keith, Robert, you stay right here. And he went in and he got my file and he brought my file out. <laughs> and in my file, Joe, <laughs> the tears began to flow. <laughs> it said, this behaves. The third, he was junior. It was his work number. Mr. Steinmiller came out and said, Robert, I just called your dad, and he will be here shortly. And all I could think is, I'm going to die. Anybody ever been there? He's going to kill me. And I could just feel the blood draining out of my body, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, no. And I thought, Brother Jim, I'm going to get up and run. I'm just going to, I'm just going to run away because there's just no, I'm not going to survive this because I knew, first of all, I wasn't supposed to be rain, hanging around with Keith. How many of you have hung around with somebody that your mom and dad were supposed to hang around with? And then you got busted. 
That was the first thing. Number two, I left school. And so we go, we go over, and my dad shows up, and we go in this back room, and this is back in the day when they paddled you in the public schools. They've done away with that, but they used to paddle, amen. <laughs> Kept me from doing a lot of stupid stuff, by the way. And so Mr. Steinmiller has Keith bend over, and he spanked him twice with the paddle. And my dad told me to bend over, and he had the paddle. He hit me twice. I started to stand up, and he said, bend back over. And I went, oh, man, this is bad. And he began to spank me and spank me until, you know, my will broke. And he stopped. And he said, come here, son. He said, I love you. I told you not, right? He began to show mercy. See, what we deserve is death and hell. God sent his only begotten son who shed his blood. By the way, they spit in his face. They mocked him. They disrobed him. They hung him on a cross. They nailed him there. And for those reasons, he said, it is finished. Now, why would he say that if he didn't finish the job? Why do I still have to keep working if he finished the job? He said before those people and before God that day, it is finished. That was his mercy. So what did he provide to you and to me? For the wages of sin is death. That's spiritual separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of you celebrate Christmas? Amen. Huh? You celebrate Christmas? Mm -hmm. How many of you say, my kids deserve every gift that's underneath that tree? And whatever it takes, no matter how much plastic I have to use to buy plastic, I'm going for it. Because my child is so perfect and so good and so righteous, they deserve everything that goes underneath that tree. Let's all raise our hands. You'd say, well, no way. How many of you buy things for your children and they don't really deserve it? Anybody ever done that? Anybody scratching their head going, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> right? And you bought them something that they didn't deserve. For the wages, what you earned for your sin, your nature. Notice it doesn't say sins. It says sin. What we earn for our sin is death. That's that spiritual separation. You look that word up, it's Sheol, it's hell. That's what that word means in the scriptures. And he says, for the wages of sin, what we are, not what we do, causes spiritual separation from God. How do you know that? Well, one day there was a man named Adam. How many of you know who I'm talking about in the scriptures? And Adam in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, God told him, you have one commandment. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that day ye shall surely die. 
And so what happened that day is Eve looked and saw a tree to be desired, and Adam, her husband, stood by and watched, and Eve went up and plucked the fruit from the tree, and she took part of it and gave it unto her husband also. And God held Adam accountable that day. And in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin, not sins, sin entered into the world. And death by sin... That's that spiritual separation from God passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Now, how could that possibly be? You see, that one man, Adam, was told, listen, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When he decided he was going to take some of that and have of it, he disobeyed God through that spiritual separation happen. Something has to bring us back into a right relationship. What's going to do that? He said, for the wages of sin, not sins, sin is death. That's that spiritual separation from God. That three-letter word, how many of you remember conjunction, junction, what's your function? Anybody with me? I'm 52. We used to listen to it. It was called Schoolhouse Rock. Amen. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? How many of you remember that? Come on, Matt, you're smiling, man. <laughs> Didn't do well in English, right? <laughs> but anyway, it says, but. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> That's the mercy of God. Now, listen, if I gave Mike a gift on Christmas and I put it underneath the tree and it says Michael on it, and I say, hey, Mike, there's a gift under the tree for you. He goes, yeah, I know, I don't want it. Well, you haven't even opened it. How do you know you don't want it? Nah. But Mike, it's got your name on it. I don't care. So Easter comes. I say, Mike, that gift's still sitting down there. Now, we got rid of the tree, but the gift is there. <laughs> Mike, it's got your name. I don't care. I don't want it. How many of you kids do that on Christmas morning? <laughs> nah, I don't want that gift. It's wrapped. You don't even know what it is. July comes, 4th of July comes. Mike, that gift is still sitting there. That's ah, all right, I don't want it. It's Thanksgiving, Mike, the gift. I don't want it. But the gift, God, is eternal life. You know what I have to do to make it mine? Receive it. To open that package is to believe in Jesus Christ, isn't it? But the gift of God is eternal life, but it's through Jesus Christ. You know what the mercy of God is? We deserve death and hell. But God gave us a gift, didn't he? But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the mercy of God. Hey, Pharisees, listen. You need to tell them about judgment. There's two coming, and one is the beam of seat of Christ, and, and that's where those that are saved, if they're doing those things for my honor, for my glory, you'll be at that place. Hey, Pharisees, tell them there's a second judgment coming. It's called the great white throne judgment, and I want them to know if they don't get born again, they're going to die twice. You need to tell them that, Pharisees. That's the mercy of God. The mercy of God is, is that Jesus Christ came and died for you and for me. He gave us a gift, didn't he? That is the mercy of God. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a what? Gift of God, not of works. You cannot work your way to heaven. 
You can't get in that way. So he said, here, there's judgments coming, but there's the mercy of God. Now, what does it take to believe this? Well, it takes faith. He said, hey, Pharisees, woe unto you, hypocrites, you actors and you actresses. You need to be out there telling them about this judgment. You need to start telling them that I have shown them mercy. And finally, you need to let them know that the only way they're getting to heaven is through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works. <laughs> there are a lot of religions that teach you that you have to work your way to heaven. But I'm here to tell you, you have to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. You know why I know that? Because that is what the Bible says. It's not what some man told me about what the Bible says. It is what the scriptures teach. What is this faith that you're talking about, preacher? I want you to look at a couple of things with me, and I'm done. I want you to think about faith this morning. And God tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18, or through 21, he makes this statement. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And then he tells us in John 3, 16 through 18, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, and here's the next phrase, might be saved. You know why it says might? Because it's a choice. It's not that the whole world is saved because Jesus Christ died. It's that you must believe in him. You might be saved if you trust him. And then he goes on and he makes this statement and he says this. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not on him is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Faith. Faith is what takes me to heaven. My faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. What he did on the cross at Calvary, listen, in a little while we're going to partake of communion. Communion does not bring you closer to God in that way. It doesn't give you more of Jesus Christ. In fact, communion is just a uh, picture of what Jesus Christ did on the cross at Calvary for us. And we do this in remembrance of what he did for us on the cross at Calvary. Communion is not receiving Christ. Communion is recognizing what Christ did for us on the cross at Calvary. Communion doesn't save anybody. Baptism doesn't save you. Church attendance doesn't save you. Prayer doesn't save you. But who you pray to and ask to save you can. <laughs> the Bible teaches us something very different than what the world teaches. So what is this faith? Well, faith is important. And here it is. Don't confuse outward acts an appearance for a true spiritual trust in Jesus Christ. What we need to know is what he says here. Go back to Matthew with me, 23, and I want you to look at this. He says in verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. I have a couple of cups here. I'm going to share some coffee with Jim. <laughs> okay? Jim, won't you come up here? You want to have a cup of coffee with me, Jim? 
<laughs> Jim's coming over to my house. We're going to have a cup of coffee. Yeah, Jim, you can take, take whatever cup you want there. You tricked me. <laughs> it's a pretty cup, isn't it? How many of you want a cup of coffee out of that? I could do one. How many of you want to drink out of that? Mm. Joe, I'll make you a cup of Joe. Right in this cup. Do you know what happens? We look at the outward appearance on someone and we determine who they are based on their outward appearance. Now, can outward appearance tell you something? Sure, it can. What did he say to the Pharisees here? He said, you got the outside clean, but the inside is what? Unclean, isn't it? Now, I want to challenge you in this. Just think about this for just a moment. To be saved is not what I appear to be on the outside, but it is what I am on the inside, which is clean, right? Now, I want to challenge you this morning to think about this. Which judgment are you going to be at? Today, we're celebrating Jesus Christ, the resurrection. Man, that's exciting, isn't it? It's not about Easter eggs, by the way, and chocolate, although I love both, amen? I like eggs and I like chocolate, but it's not about that. It's about the fact that Jesus Christ died for you personally. And he says to be a clean vessel on the inside, something has to happen. There's a passage of scripture in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Would you turn there with me? In 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. It's in the New Testament, back toward the book of Revelation. The Bible says, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. And he that hath the Son hath life. What kind of life is he talking about? And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. To have eternal life, you must have Jesus Christ. You cannot separate the two. And I'll illustrate it this way. We'll pretend that this is eternal life for just a minute. So what is this pen I have in my hand, folks? So this is eternal life. We're going to pretend that this Bible that I have in my hand is Jesus Christ. And this is the record that God hath given to us, what? Eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath what kind of life? Now watch this. And he that hath not the son of God hath not eternal life. Now to have eternal life, I also have Jesus Christ. Guess what I can't separate? I can't separate eternal life in Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We're going to partake of communion here in just a moment. Communion doesn't save you. To partake of communion at Calvary Chapel, we ask, first of all, that you be saved, that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior.
and that you've made a conscious decision to be baptized. Baptism is an outward show of the act that God already performed in my heart. And then we ask that you be a, a member of a church of like faith and doctrine if you're not a member here. We don't observe clothes, meaning no one, but only the members. And we don't observe open, meaning that we just say, here, partake of this, because it comes with some consequences when we do it in a wrong manner. And we need to perform it in a way that pleases the Lord. Before we get to that, I'm going to have an invitation. At Calvary, what we do is we have an invitation. What is an invitation? Well, we invite you to come for multiple reasons. Maybe God's touched your heart in some area, and you need to pray about that. Maybe there's some confession that needs to take place in your life, and you need to confess that sin and get your heart right with God. And we have this old-fashioned altar up here, and so we'll have someone come and play, and we'll all stand, and you can come forward and kneel at the altar and pray and turn that over to the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you heard this message very clearly. To have eternal life, I must have Jesus Christ. Apart from him, I cannot have it. And you'd say, Pastor, you know what? I don't remember a time where I actually prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save me. Well, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. And so to make that marriage work, you need to say, I do to God and I don't to the world. It's a relationship that you're going to establish with him. Once that relationship is established, then we can baptize you. It's putting the wedding band on saying, hey, guess what? I'm saved. I've trusted Jesus Christ to take my soul to heaven. Now, if you've never done that, we'll have ladies up here who can pray with ladies, and we have fellas up here who can pray with the fellas. And they can open the Bible, and they can show you how you can know for sure if you die today, heaven could be your home. And so we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes.